Hello, hello, this is Tracy Harrell, and welcome to Bigger Than Me. Each week, we focus on how to achieve your definition of success and happiness. On Bigger Than Me, we bring together a combination of ageless wisdom, the latest research, and engaging interviews with amazing people who are sharing their stories to help each of us achieve our full potential. Your journey to transformation begins right now. Let's do this. Oh my God, I'm so I'm so excited. <laughs> we just had for the first time, we just had two shows. We just had two, well, we're doing two shows today. So we just had a first hour and it was um, with J.B. Owen and Yoram. And now we have Yoram is staying with us and we have Miss Patricia Davis. Um, Patricia, since you're new to this journey, let me just say how excited I am to have you with us. Well, thank you for having me. <laughs> today we are going to talk about, we're going to continue this conversation around igniting possibilities. And both of you are actually partnering with me on this new journey. He put up a slide, which is um, going to be the book that we're, we're building out over the next six months. Um, but it's called Achieving, it's the Bigger Than Me Success Series. And it's Achieving Racial Equity and Inclusion in Business, Education, Wealth, and Health. But it's really about, you know, the first session we have, we have a session coming up July 7th, which is super exciting. Um, it's a national initiative. We have hundreds of people who've signed up. We have an amazing cast of individuals. We have videos that are going to be shown. It's going to be very interactive for those who participate. It's exciting. But in order for it to actually work, in order for this to truly work, we're going to believe that we can change things. We have to believe that we can truly achieve racial equity and inclusion in this world and life through the systems, whatever we're working on. And it's about each of us believing that we can change. So I'm going to have each of you introduce yourself. And as you introduce yourself, can you also share why is it important to believe in order to really ignite possibilities and really to change? I'll start with you, Ms. Patricia. Oh, <laughs> so I'm, I'm sorry, introducing myself first. <laughs> introduce yourself and then, and then answer the question, like why is it important to believe? So yes, ma'am. Okay, great. I'm Patricia Davis and I'm vice president of a small consulting firm called DeMarsh Consulting. And we work on making business places better places to be. And with what's going on right now, we have a real opportunity to bring up what we're going to call JEDI, justice, equity, diversity, and inclusion in our workplaces. So I'm, I'm really pleased to be doing that. I am biracial. My mother is German and my father was a black American soldier. And to talk about coming from a place of really heavily racist people, uh, my mother's side of the family, uh, when I came over here to the United States, I was four. So my first language was German. And I, I do remember one time that my mother was watching television. I was about six and I heard one of the politicians say, well, let's send all of the black people back to Africa. And it scared me because I thought, well, which half are they going to send back? Oh, my anyway. goodness. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So, some reasons to believe. You know, we had slavery. We, we, we were emancipated. 
first reason to believe we, you know, we got through the Jim Crow era. We, another reason to believe we have had a black president. What a reason to believe. So unless we believe it, we're not going to see it. And oh. I want to see it in my lifetime. So I'm extremely hopeful that as long as we don't let this fire die and continue the conversation, we're not going to see it. So we need to keep this alive and going. I love that. I love that more than you possibly know. Because basically what you're saying is we can change things. And I love your unique perspective. I love your, your perspective as a biracial woman who had a very interesting upbringing. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit more as well. Um, uh, Mr. Yorm Mr. Baltanester, did I get it right? Yes, he did. Awesome. So reintroduce yourself for those who might be watching this separately online or, or, or viewing the viewing us on our YouTube channel or podcast later on. Go ahead and reintroduce yourself as if we had just not finished talking for a whole hour. <laughs> and tell us who you are. All right. So why is this, why is this concept of, of believing so important? Well, okay, I'll, I'll get to that too. <laughs> but definitely, I will tell you that, uh, so my name is Yoram Baltinester. I'm born and raised in Israel. Israel is one of the uh, deepest wounds in as far as I'm concerned that humanity has. And so for starters, if we wouldn't believe that healing is possible, then what are we looking for? And, and honestly, um, you, you know, even in the name of that, when you look at things that we want to create as changes, when you, when you name this thing bigger than me, you know, when you look at it and you say it's bigger than me, unless you believe that we can make this big thing work, even when you spearhead that change, even then if all of us seem to be too small, too weak, too different, too whatever it is that we may think that might stop us, if we don't believe in the possibility of that change, there's nothing that would ever bring it because it's up to us. And by grace of God, but it's up to us. I, I love that so much. Can you um, can you also tell us, you know, as we think about this concept of Ignite Possibilities, and I've told you all about this initiative, right? We have here, we're still trying to ignite possibilities, right? We know we can. We are all believers. We are all 100% in. And our focus for this conversation is around achieving racial equity and inclusion in life, right? We've, we've just experienced some very traumatic uh, situations. We all watched a man basically die live. Um, and, and I think that experience in itself has been traumatic, right? It's been traumatic in a number of different ways. But we believe that we can, something positive can come out of it. We were all committed to doing the work. And I heard, and I love what you said, if you're committed, you can drive change. So tell us why when I talk to you about coming on the show and I was like, oh my God, I love your story and you're so positive and all the things. Why did you decide, you sent me some videos and one of them was Brene Brown, which I love. Thank you very much. Very much. We're going to talk about that. But why was that important to you? Help set up this, this, this next part of the conversation around change and, and what Brene talks about when it comes to importance of change and how we do it. 
you know, I don't know that it was important, but it is. However, for me, it, I didn't come on the show because of importance. I came on the show because that needs to be done. Because the change that you're seeking is a change that needs to happen, not just here, but at, you know, for humanity at large. And so when you say important, then you also need to contextualize it and by saying important to whom? In fact, I'm here because I realized it was an important, which sits in the very definition of what that privilege part that nobody wants to talk about is. The story that I shared with you, and just to bring everybody up to speed, the story was I realized how, how pervasive th that privilege is when I realized one day that there are people unfriending people on Facebook because the conversation is too much for them. And I realized that for me, I could close Facebook and go back to my life, whereas other people, if they close Facebook, they go back to their life, except my life looks different than theirs. And what they have experienced or, or what they need or what they experience as a matter of day in and day out in their life is wrong. And when I, when I realized that, then, yeah, in the context of my life, it's kind of like, yeah, I'd be just fine if I disengage from the conversation. But if I still consider myself as a decent part of humanity, then I'm never going to be fine ever again until we do something. Wow. That's why I'm here. Wow. I, I, I love that. I love that. Miss, Miss. We're going to have, Patricia, do you have anything you want to say on that particular comment? If not, Nate, I'm going to have you get ready for the video. What are your thoughts? Um, I'll, I'll go ahead and let us do the video, but okay, I've got perfect. tons and tons and tons to say. Uh, <laughs> so we, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna play the video real quick. And this is, again, you, you, you said, you know, and I plan to bring Brene in, but I was going to do it a little bit later. I absolutely believe we have to do it now. So I'm actually modifying the, the run of show. So we're going to bring some of these videos in. We're going to actually have those who participate even comment on this, um, this, this importance of this, because it, it has to be part of the journey, it has to be part of the, an early part of the journey. So I'm going to have you play the, 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 this first clip from Brene. I work about the power of... Uh-oh. So we have a little... All right, no problem. We know what she said. So basically, what, what I loved about Brene, and you tell me when you when you have it back ready, but what I loved about her is she basically was saying, you know, it's important for us to tell our stories. Like when you don't, when you tell your story, then you get to own and you get to write the ending. How cool is that, <laughs> right? I mean, how cool is that for us to have the, to be able to ignite possibilities and to be able to decide, you know, the worst part, the worst things that have happened to us as Americans. Right, we actually get to decide how it ends. Yoram, any, anything else you want to share about what she says, and then we'll we'll move into like why owning your story is important. I I love Brittany. You know, I I pretty much believe that she is in the forefront of understanding some of the deepest dynamics that we have as human beings, and when she talks about the 
the three P's that she is talking about, right? It is power, privilege, and perspective taking. Um, my personal stories totally owned me until I was able to figure it out. Now I've I've been uh, I grew up in a in a mixture of um, and dualistic racial environment. And what I mean by that is that I was both um, brought up with a certain level of racism in me, but I also was the other, the recipient side of racism on the other side. And so um, I was, I was so much in inside of that soup and I didn't really understand it unless I, until such time as I learned perspective taking and until such time that I came to realize the part with the privilege, the part with the power, you know, I think it's just, let's put it this way. Nobody takes any of my courses without seeing two of these Brene movies to begin with. That's mm. what I love it. from there. I love it. But, um, Patricia, any thoughts around this concept of owning your story? I know you do a lot of work around transformation, et cetera. Why is it important to own your story and to be able to, you know, find, find some solace in the fact that we get to rewrite the ending? Yeah, you know, I know. I just watched Brene's, uh, uh, segment on um on owning your story and, and you know i totally believe that's true i mean i grew up and you know mostly being raised by my mother who was white uh but but in a very mixed neighborhood and i thought this is great we can all be beige together um but, but you know that's not the reality you know as i, I was growing up and, and uh, you know and even when i think back on when i was a kid how much of this uh privilege my mother took that even as a child I wasn't afforded and, and I never talked to my mother about any of of what was going on inside of me what I was feeling and what I was experiencing because of course living in Washington your your classrooms are largely white your interactions are largely white and and just recently I've been really realizing how much privilege there is and you know and that's not saying you know as Brene said not saying that that white people don't work hard and they you know they don't struggle but it's different and I've got a daughter a black daughter and it's like just going to the going to the, the store at Christmas time and being able to find a black doll or a doll that looks like her you know is is almost impossible and and I love that Brene brought up uh Peggy McIntosh uh, un unpacking the invisible knapsack. And that goes through those 50 points of white privilege. And I just added another one because I was watching, looking for a movie to watch last night. And I'm like, I'm not gonna watch another movie that doesn't have a cast of color. You know, I, I just, which means there's a lot of movies that I love that I'm not ever gonna watch again. Wow. Because I need to have some racial diversity in everything that that is coming into my life and I love being able to have these conversations with with people I mean I, maybe now is not the time to tell another story but 
uh, you tell me. <laughs> Listen, th th this, this, I, I like to say that my, my, this show, this mission that I'm on, the show is one part of it. The, the, the bigger than me success series is another part, the multiple books, the, the consulting that I'm doing. This is just, it's, it's divine. It's, or it's intentional, but it's also organic. So I just okay. kind of let it flow. So what what I did want to want to ask you is you mentioned something that Brene mentioned and and I think Nate Nathan may have our video ready to play. Um, I'll ask him that question then I'll come back to you. The beginning I think we have the beginning ready to play so we'll come back to you Patricia. Let's see what what, what he's going to play show with Brene Brown a lot in my work about the power of owning our stories. I talk about if we own our story we get to write the ending. And if we don't own our story, the story owns us. And I think in The Gifts of Imperfection, I really, that was the first time in my life personally that I've owned my story. That I wrote about, hey, look, I had this complete breakdown at 41. Um, I fell apart. I got, I was so tired and exhausted from trying to outrun vulnerability and outrun perfectionism that I I love it. So basically, we had some we have an opportunity here. We really do have an opportunity to own our own story. Patricia, you mentioned something that she mentioned later on in this video, this unpacking the backpack. What, what can you tell us about that? I'm not, I'm not, I don't have that handy with me. Is there something you have it there with you? Well, it just goes through there. You know, she, she's, she writes this beautiful white paper. I mean, Peggy has done a, a lot of writing and teaching and I really respect her, but this this white paper that I've been sharing so widely, you know, it's like instead of reading White Fragility, read this 12-page white paper, and there are 50 points that that sort of go through this test for for white people and black people to to understand, you know, where white where privilege is being taken, where it's and it's. It's not that, that I believe people are, are using that privilege on purpose. It's just because of their lived experience. They don't know they're doing it. You know, they don't, they, you know, when, when, when a white person walks into a grocery store, they don't ever have to worry about the fact that they're being followed around or watched a little bit more closely than, than a person of color. But this, this 50 points is like amazing. So what, what I loved about what Brene said was we all have privilege to a certain extent. Oh, she yeah. mentioned in her video that she does a class. So she has a class um, that she's teaching in in Texas. And she said, you know, 25% black, you know, there's 25% Hispanic, 25% white, and 25% maybe Asian or some other, you know, people that have come here for the way she described it, maybe her international students. And what she said is she, she asked each person to identify their privilege. So the term privilege is not a an attack. It's not a shaming or a blaming in any way because each person has privilege. And she said she had one of her students say, you know, my privilege is being able to walk into a movie theater hand in hand with my uh, significant other and not be worried about being hit in the head with a bat because it's an opposite sex significant other. But there's privilege in that because if you're homosexual or gay or whatever the case may be, you never know, right? what experiences you might have, what, what what might happen to you. Another black female said she had the privilege of being able to wear, I think she said she wore a cross. And so she said, I have the privilege of being able to, you know, represent my uh, religion 
and not be fearful that someone's going to call me a murderer or you know associate me with some other religion that may not be you know that may often be demonized it may not be popular or whatever so so we all have privilege so i think this concept is really is really uh profound i'm going to have i think nathan said he has our next video ready which is uh how she talks about <clears throat> change and, and change like this requires and she calls it the three p's so story gave me the right to pick up the pen and write the ending if we think about collectively, if we know it's true in our own lives that the stories we own, we get to write the ending, and the stories that we don't own, own us, we can take that micro lesson and apply it in a macro concept, in a community concept. The stories that we don't own collectively own us. We have to own the story in order to write the different ending. And I know it's painful but it's not as painful as spending our lives running from our story. And our collective story in the United States is a story of white supremacy. That is the story. That's our story. And we have not owned it. So now it, it, still, it owns us. It still owns us. And it defines us because we have not had the courage to step in and own the story and say, this is the truth about where we come from and what we've done. And it's, I think what's really powerful for me personally is understanding that the pain of owning, the pain and discomfort of owning that story is, is tiny compared to the pain and discomfort of living out that story. So when we talk about owning a story, and especially a collective story, a historical story, there's three things that come to mind for me. The first is privilege. The three, you know, it's kind of the three P's of owning a collective story in history. It's privilege, perspective taking, and power. And the first is privilege. And I can tell you that having taught, having taught race, class, and gender for years and years and years, um, there is nothing that I talk about that pisses people off more than the, co the topic of privilege. We just re <laughs> I love her. <laughs> Hi, Yoram, I'm so glad you sent me this particular, this was actually a Facebook Live that she did, and she did it right after the Charlottesville uh, situation, and she just wanted to bring a different level of a conversation, and it just seems so applicable now, and I think maybe now there's more of an appetite for people hearing it, hearing this conversation. Um you both talked about privilege already. And when she talked about owning a collective story, she talked about the three P's, right? The concept of uh, perspective, privilege, perspective uh, taking, and then and then power. So before we go into her next description, of, she gives two really good examples of privilege. You, Yoram, when I first met you, I almost like choked up a little bit because you, you didn't you didn't mention the, the YouTube thing yet. Maybe you did mention it, but when when you were talking about not YouTube but the, the Facebook, how people were being, you know, combative or whatever on Facebook and and then you said you kinda of, you were watching on television the the George Floyd um, video and you like you said you were engaging in the conversations, these heated conversations on Facebook and I love it when you said earlier, you said you could you could detach from that. You could turn it off. You could walk away. 
but other people can't. She mentions that as well. Like the, 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 you know, where's the, where's the progress in not engaging in the, in the, in the conversation. So what advice would you give to people, you know, who, who are hearing, hearing Brene and, you know, she's asking us to own our collective story. Uh, what advice would you share for people, white people, non-black people, and even black people? Because a lot of black people don't want to have this conversation either. I've heard more than I thought I would hear. Say, I'm really not trying to, to have this, to teach white people how to treat me right. Like, I'm not trying to do that. And I thought, wow, tell me more. And they're like, it's exhausting. It's like if, if someone really wants to do the right thing, you know, she. A lot of people thought that it should just happen, and I don't know. I just feel like I, I, I'm definitely of a different mindset. That if we're going to, like, we must be the change we want to see. We must create it together. So, what advice would you give Yorm? And then I'll come to you, Patricia. Same question. Um, what advice would you give to people about how important it is to be open to change? I ask people to investigate, to to really look into the facts, okay? And what I mean by that is, you know, the saddest part about Brene, Brene's clip is it's three years ago. And when I looked it up uh, a couple of days ago, when when I sent it to you, and I and I realized I. I recall that it was from three years ago the first ring through my mind is like and we've learned nothing we have learned nothing but why what what needs to happen for us to really learn from that mm-hmm. but then but then talk about owning your story um i was also reminded of the fact that i and i heard this thing about the privilege i heard her conversation about privilege and um, and class, which is the same, because privilege exists inside of a class, I believe. I heard it three years ago, and I still didn't get privilege. I didn't mm. get it up until now, right? And it, was, it wasn't until I was put in that position of whether or not to disengage from the conversation that I started, <laughs> okay? I started the conversation because I looked at, at Facebook and I see people are just, it's like getting into this verbal fight and disengaging and, and unfriending and going, I, I, don't have, I don't have time for this. I don't, I, don't have, I don't have to do it. I don't have to be in that. They wouldn't say discomfort, but they, they would just say, you know, words that I want, don't, you know, words that I wouldn't say here, but they say, I don't need to be in the middle of all this. And when I realized that, I I put in a post and I said, hey, you know, I don't know whether it's true that it's Rabin or Moses Dayan or Nelson Mandela said it first, but the quote says, you know, you make peace with your enemies. You don't make peace with your friends. So I don't even think we're necessarily enemies, but if if somebody perceives other people to be their enemy in the situation, it's like, what are you going to get from disengaging? Who are you going to talk to? The people who agree with you? How is that going to create change? How is that going to make things better? And and so I said it, and I got such responses. <laughs> that 
it's it's very hard. Did you get good responses? I I, I got both sides of response. <laughs> I got good responses. I got bad responses. I got responses that I really didn't like. <laughs> but hey, you know, uh, it, it, as long as I can stand in there and and hear everybody out and look deeper into what I don't necessarily believe to find what actually happened or what is the truth, then then I'd be better for it. And mm. I think the message is for the whole classes, the whole, the whole racial system, the whole systematic, everybody. It's like if you had two kids, and they were different for whatever reason, and they started to fight with each other. You, you tell them, "No, stop! You're better than this. Stop. Own your story. Own your story, and uh, and you know, and 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 let's base some of the future behavior on the values that we're trying to foster." Mm, I love that we're better than this. That's exactly, I believe that to my core. I love that you use the word progress. If I, I, I was, justice is one of my core values, but so is progress. Like, I believe that we can all be better. It doesn't matter where we are. It doesn't even matter what happened yesterday. It doesn't matter what abuses and traumas and injustices that have occurred. But if they have occurred, then we gotta be able to move in the right direction. Like, I believe that we can. And what I also realized, this is thanks to Deepak Chopra. Uh, one of my favorite books by Deepak is called The Seven Laws of Spiritual Success. And one of his spiritual laws is this idea of detaching from the outcome. So what I love for the, for, for, for the organization that I worked in, that I experienced some injustices with, what I'd love for them to just be all on board and be in, I would, but I got to detach from the outcome. I was, I was right. It, 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 this is for who it's for, and it's not going to be for everyone, right? It is not going to be for everyone, and I'm okay with that. Like, I'm just going to do my part. We're going to do our part collectively. We're going to move some people forward. I feel like I'm going to light a thousand suns. And then I'm going to ask those thousand suns to go light a thousand more. And then that's how change comes about. So it's not for everyone. I, we're not going to take everyone on. The, you, you've just guys seen that video about the, the first, uh, the early, early adopters. A video where, you know, someone starts to dance in the middle of a, of a, of a park. The first <laughs> First followers, thank you very much, the first followers. You've seen that, right? That's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for those first followers, those people who are, who, are, who are interested in actually, and then you'll have some people watching and then maybe they'll jump in and some other people will jump in. That'll be great, but we gotta do what we gotta do. And then yeah, I wanna tell you one thing and, and yes, then sir. I want to stop because I wanna hear Patricia. Yeah. Um, I, I disagree that it doesn't matter what happened. I think that what happened absolutely matters. Here's why. Because once we own what happened, that is when what happened doesn't dictate what is going to happen in the future. That is the only way to do it is we got to own it. I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's, I, 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 I can tell you story. I don't want to tell stories right now, but it's, um, I have heard it so many times from Germans, actually. You know, they couldn't get past the Holocaust without owning what happened. 
Yeah. It's in holding what happened that gives us this power to change. Because otherwise, if mm. we disown what happened, we'll run the same movie again. Wow. So, I'm, I'm, so that that's why this is a collective effort. It's bigger than me. It's called the Bigger Than Me Success Series for a particular reason. I have a bad memory for negative things. And in order for me to be the positive, wonderful, happy individual that I am, I have to detach from me. Like I have to not only detach from the outcome, but I also have to like let it go, right? Like I can't, I can't be the one, right, to bring up my personal injustices because that puts me in not a not a happy place, and I'm a happy person, so I choose not to think about that. But I brought a thousand other people in who've had similar stories. So I don't need to tell mine per se in order for me to be the happy, positive coach who will continue to guide people through this journey on a loving way. It's not about me. It's bigger than me. It's called the Bigger Than Me Success Series for a reason. Because I think each of us get to decide what are we going to do that's bigger than us. Like you said, you can't even embrace your own humanity without knowing that you're doing something to contribute to something that's bigger than you, to make the world a better place. Patricia, anything you want to share? We've talked about any, anything. As I do. Yoram, I, I really appreciate and what resonated with me was when you said this video came out three years ago and we haven't learned anything. That is so true. And I think that the universe has just aligned itself by bringing us COVID, you know, as horrible as it is, it quieted us down so that we could hear when George Floyd's life was sacrificed for what this cause is going to be. And I will tell just a little story. I have uh, two coaching friends, they're both white women. Um, and one of them said her, her, niche was to talk to white women about racial justice and diversity and inclusion. And I thought, and she was white. And I said, well, I thought to myself, that sounds racist to me, but I didn't press her on it. And then it came up again with another one of my coaching uh, colleagues. And she, she says, I'm going to give a talk uh, to white women about equity, diversity, and social justice. And I thought, well, that's again, sounds racist to me. But she invited me to this, and I thought, to this Zoom meeting, and I thought, do I go? Because I'm not her audience. And I, th I thought, I'm going to go. I'm not going to show my face. I'm not going to put my picture up. I'm just going to listen on the phone to what they're talking about. And, you know, and it was interesting. And I thought, you know, there's, I to understand the white culture, I'm not going to grab my group of Black friends to understand them. I'm going to be part of that conversation. I did come clean. I did let them know that uh, not at the uh, this was with another group, uh, another call that was in the same group of people. And I says, I listened in. I hope you're okay with that. But it's like, I want to be part of that conversation. If you have a question, I know it's not our job to educate. You know, you can go out there and read books and all of that. But you know, don't wander around in a dark room looking for the doorknob when I know where it is. So, uh, so yes, I think it's important that we all enter into this conversation. And Yoram, I think I heard you say that same thing. Oh, we're just destined to repeat. Mm, I love, I love you all so much. I'm gonna have um, Nathan. Are you ready to play the next video? We're gonna talk about. I think she she brings up examples of uh, what she calls privilege, and I think it's a really good perspective. Nathan? Oh, he needs one minute. Okay. So um, 
So what I love what I love about this conversation, and, and again, both of you really got me excited. I'm taking notes. So I'm outside on my patio in front of my beautiful plants. I'm taking note with notes with a highlighter on my glass table. It's hilarious. <laughs> amazing. I, I, I can't use my laptop because we had some, we are doing sound with this, but I'm taking notes. So there's notes all over the place. And what I love you, you, you saying also was the Brene Brown video came out three years ago, right? And we're bringing these conversations up. We've had these kind of things happen over and over and over. What's going to make this time different for each of you? I mean, I feel like I'm not going to let it go. I'm going to die doing this work until I, I, I'm, I'm joking, please. I'm, I, I, I'm literally investing in this for the next, probably for the next six months. This Bigger Than Me success series, an amazing book is going to come out of it. And it's going to be fueled by people like you who are going on a journey, who have something to say, who can really formulate this, this time in history. This is where we are. This is, you know, this, this is what we know to be true. And here's some of the lessons learned. Here's some of the progress that we've made so we can pass it on for the next individuals who choose to move the next suns that we've lit right we've like we've, we've got a light a thousand suns and we want them to have resources that they can take it to the next level so what what i mean i guess what can we all do to make sure we're not having the same conversation three months or three years from now that you shall ask you first okay you know i worry about this all the time because i'm i'm already experiencing and, and hearing that people are getting weary. You know, they don't want to hear about it on television anymore and on the news. They don't want the protesters up on Capitol Hill anymore. And it's important that we, we find a way to keep this conversation alive and that we're all taking action and, and at some big levels. I mean, we can do many things at local levels, but it needs to happen at the, the national level and the worldwide level even. But you know, we just need to keep the conversation going in every way possible. And especially when you look at organizations that they don't just do a one and done workshop, that they right. continue to, to train and, and understand when uh, privilege comes up or when inequity comes up in, their, in the workplaces, that right. they're not responding to a complaint or, or a, a, an attorney. Yeah, what what I love about Brene, what I love about what she says as a part of these videos, I, we're, we got less than twenty minutes left, so I don't think I'm going to get to all the videos. But what I love about her is she does say toward the end, she talks about, you know, are we going to just keep, you know, saving, pulling people out of the river one by one? Are we going to get to head of the river and ask the question why, right? Why is this happening? And, and, and that's what really what we're doing as a part of this bigger than me success series is we're providing resources ask and answer and allow all of us to be on the journey together to really change things at a systemic level. So um, Nate, I'm gonna have you go ahead and share the next uh, video around the first P in how do we change our story and own our collective story? It's like, when I ask people to do a privilege exercise, there's not one person that can't find privilege. I'll have a straight person say, my privilege is I can go to the movies and hold hands with my partner and not fear getting hit in the head with a baseball bat. Um, I had an African-American student last year that said, maybe it was two years ago, that said, I can wear a symbol of my religion and not fear being called a murderer or a terrorist. And she was simply talking about the fact that she wears a cross necklace. I mean, 
Privilege is not about how hard you work. Privilege is about unearned access and authority. Mm -hmm. And so if we don't acknowledge our privilege, we don't acknowledge the pain of others, and we don't acknowledge what is the truest thing about American democracy, which should be equality. We just don't, we don't acknowledge it. Um, this is the hard thing about Facebook Live is I'm a pauser, but I'm going to pause because I want to think through everything I'm saying because I feel very emotional. Um, so I want to make sure I get it right. Um, I'll give you another example of privilege that's really personal. Uh, my name, Brene Brown, a lot of you know it. What you don't know is my name is Cassandra Brene Brown. I only know one other Cassandra Brene Brown, and she's African-American, and I only know about three other Brene's, um, all African-American. Cassandra Brene Brown is a, the, one of the most traditionally African-American names you could ever have. Um, I know this because I went to Paul Havens Elementary School in New Orleans growing up, and I was not invited to any of the white kids' birthday parties because the birthday parties were chosen off the homeroom list. I know this because I've before the era of LinkedIn and Facebook, I've walked into job interviews and literally been told, oh my God, you're Cassandra Brene Brown? What a pleasant surprise. Um, which is a very quick way to end an interview with me, but that's privilege. And that's real. Don't you love that? Any comments on that before we move into the next P and the three P's? It was privilege. Any, any comment? Any thought? Raw and real. What else is there to say? Right? Yeah. And I, I think that one of the things that, that many recruiting houses can, can do and HR departments or recruitment departments can do is take those names off those resumes send out blind resumes. So it's all based on education and experience as opposed to what my name is. I love it, I love it. We're gonna to go to, to the, um, are you ready for power? I think you said, Nate. You're gonna show she talks about the three Ps and we'll talk about power. The last P is power. We hate the word power. God, we hate the word power. Um, we hate the word power. But let me, let me give you a simple definition of power from Martin Luther King. Power is just the ability to affect change. And then let me tell you about powerlessness. As someone who's spent my entire career studying shame and fear, powerlessness is the most dangerous state that we can ever experience. It leads to violence, isolation, shame, self-harm, Power is just the ability to accept, to, to affect change. For somehow, we have come to the belief, not just in this country, because I work all over the world, that power is finite. That if I share some with Olivia and Genia, that's two pieces of a pie of eight. And now I only have six eighths of that pie left. It's a zero sum game. But that is not power. That is power over. And power over is finite. For sure. And I think what we're witnessing across the world today is power over's last stand. We are picturing really fearful, desperate people saying, I am afraid to move from a world of power over to power with and power to, to shared power, a belief in power that's infinite, a belief that power 
doesn't run out. It's not zero sum. There is no evidence anywhere that power over is effective. Because when we lead and when we act, and even when we parent from a position of power over, we by definition disempower people who have great experiences, ideas, and stories to bring to the table. Isn't that beautiful? I mean, just her perspective and the second people's perspective taking, and I don't know if you have that available, Nate, um, but we, we, it's okay. So let me know if you, when you can get perspective ready, but the, um, this concept of power, power over versus power with and power to, why is, why is that so important? Any comments from, from either of you around the importance of power? And, and what I loved about this is not only the, the, the flip side, but when she talked about powerlessness, I think about people who, who are marching in the streets and they're saying no justice, no peace. It's that powerlessness that, that brings you to the point. That's all I can do. No one wants anybody burning down buildings. I think it's shenanigans. It's crazy. But powerlessness. What did MLK say about, you know, uh, riots? What was the quote? It's the voice. It's the, it's the voice of the powerless or something to that effect. Any comments about this piece, the way we own our collective story, power or powerlessness, and how do we the powerlessness is dangerous in that when, again, think of us as small children. And, and when you feel that you're out of anything that you can do, uh, you see sometimes children flip the board game. And, or drop to the ground in a tantrum, right? Ah, I don't know. Well, just think about it. Isn't that in, in many ways what happens to those of us who, on both sides, I might add, who feel powerless, and and it does power over. I don't I don't like I, I don't like the term power over. I prefer the word force. Mm. And to me, uh, power is or force is the negation of power. Force mm. is when you try to do something by force to change a situation, and it's 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 not going to work very well. It doesn't work for humanity as a whole. I mean, we grew up along the history timeline for the last million years. And uh, being the same as the others was important for our health, so to speak. Right. right? right. And, um, and we are perhaps, and I, I guess that's what she's talking about. We are perhaps at the point where we can step to one higher level and go that um, being part of the human race is enough of the same, of being the same, and we don't have to find these differences and fight out the differences mm. inside of that, but we can actually unite as a race. That's so beautiful. I love that. That is so yeah. beautiful. I love it. Patricia, any thoughts about power before we show a really quick clip on perspective? Perspective is probably my favorite one, actually. <laughs> I'll be I'll be quick. Uh, I I just appreciate the protesters all over the world standing in their power because not only you know have they got this lived experience, but with COVID, many have lost their jobs, potential for losing their homes. You know what else do they have to lose? So the only thing they can do is stand in their power. So I am 
uh, you know, as I watch it, I'm just appreciative of it. And, and, you know, as much as I can, I'm standing with them. I love that. I love it. I love it. So Nate, you ready for the next video? And guys, we're going to talk about perspective. And I think this might be the, I love this clip. I love it so much. Um, which is perspective. <laughs> we all see the world through a lens. And I want you to picture a lens that you look through the world through, or you used to look through the world. Um, and we look through lenses of age, ethnicity, race, ability, and that's how we see the world. And then we slide in a lot of other lenses like insight, personal experience, history, family stories. And we all see the world through this unique lens. The whiter, more Judeo-Christian, straighter, middle-class educated we are, the more likely it is that we were told that how we see the world is actually the world. And how other people see the world is another unreal version of the of the world that our our view is the world the thing that's hard and the thing i think we make a mistake even in my field in social work we tell people that empathy is putting down that lens and picking up the lens of another person i'm going to pick up the lens of an asian american student who's first generation immigrant who is we can't put down the lens the lens is soldered to our face that's how we see the world so how if empathy requires perspective taking how do we take the perspective of other people if the lens that we see the world through is soldered to us? The answer is you believe people's stories, you believe people's experiences as they tell them to you. You believe when people tell their story and say, this is my experience of what it was like to work there. This is my experience of what it was like to be a student there. This was my experience of what it was like to be called that that you don't run that through your lens, you understand that the world that they see through their lens is as real and honest and truthful as the world that we see through our lens. And I think perspective taking, you know, there's four skills that ladder up to empathy, non-judgment, perspective taking, recognizing emotion and communicating back emotion. If you can't perspective take, we can't practice empathy. Because the minute we say, oh, that's a terrible story, but that's not how I see it. It's okay to have an opinion but you can't dismiss what people experience and talk about as truth. Mm. Patricia, is that powerful or what? Yeah. And you have such a unique perspective, but perspective yeah. taking, believing the story that someone shares with you, you can't take off your perspective. You can't be a white woman and tell the black woman's story because that ain't your story to tell, right? Yeah, exactly right. Exactly right. Why is perspective so important? What advice would you give I guess we have five minutes left. What advice would you give to someone who we're, we're asking people to get involved? We're asking them to get engaged, to be open to different perspectives, because that is part of what we're doing. We're going to be bringing in perspectives from different people. Why is that so important, hearing and believing the perspective yeah. of others? I've been experiencing this a lot lately, and it's for the people that we're talking to, stop making it about you. It's not about you. When I give you my perspective, it's not about you. <laughs> you know? That's the only thing I can say. I got a million little stories, but I want I want to hear what your your room has so, to say. I'm only I'm only laughing. I'm only laughing because one of my favorite one of my favorite people, women. I love her, white woman. She's amazing. She's amazing. We hadn't spoken in a while. We were kind of catching up, and I I saw your video. 
because I, I did this little kind of preview video um, as a part of this equity and inclusion initiative. She said, I thought it was so amazing. Um, and, and we kept talking and then she said, you know, I think that the situation that's happening with black people, you know, we as women, we have a very similar experience. And then you're a woman and you're black. I can only imagine what that experience is because you have like this. I'm like, yeah, you know, you, you, you're right. Thank you for at least acknowledging that there's a double whammy that we experience. Because she was like, as women, you know, I have to explain, you know, she just kind of went on and on and on and on and on. And then she caught herself telling her story as women. And she said, and I can only imagine to be a woman and to be a black woman. What that experience was like. I didn't have to say anything. I just listened and it was just very interesting. Joram, perspective taking. What words of wisdom? We have three minutes left. What words of wisdom would you share with those who are, um, I'm going to say, non-black individuals? And we're having a conversation around achieving racial equity and inclusion in life, business, education, wealth and health. What advice would you would you share? What insights would you share around being open? You and I had a very interesting conversation the other day about being open. I talked about my lilies here, wherever they are. I talked about my lilies. Are they in the shot here? Can you see these? And then I was saying how these are, these are open lilies. So with the rain, it falls inside, but these explode. They're not going to get, right? They're not going to get the, the rain. So how do we open up? you know, to let it all kind of just come in. Because if you're closed, you're not going to hear it. You're not going to be able to hear the perspective. None of it's going to matter. You're going to shut it down. You're going to be exhausted. But how do we all remain open like my lilies and take it all in? Um, I'll sidestep the metaphor of the lilies. <laughs> I'll talk about us. <laughs> but here's the thing. And this is, this is advice all around. Um, I'd say first, but the first thing that I, that I want to say is the stories have to be told because unless you tell me your story, there is nothing that I can believe. I need to hear you. I need to hear your story. And, and unfortunately there are, there are people who are, who are going to say today, well, I don't want to tell you your story. Well, okay. Well then, then it's hard, but then but then the burden is on me because once you say, okay, well, let me tell you my story, then I cannot come back with a different perspective. It makes no sense and there's no point in it. But I want to also go back to something else that you said, and you said people are starting to be fatigued. Uh, we need to understand that this is not a sprint, it's a marathon. And if we are going down to the streets and starting a protest and we're going to sit there until the problem is resolved, we're going to die on the street. We need to keep the conversation going and keep talking about it and take a little bit time to recuperate between conversations, but understand that the conversation isn't over. We're going to come back to it. I, I guess it. I, I have to do now. Right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. This is this was such an amazing show, you guys. Thank you so much. This is the right conversation. We're going to continue this conversation. That's why I'm doing two shows now. We're going to continue the conversation. We're going to continue to ignite possibilities, bring joy and happiness, but we're also going to work to achieve racial equity and inclusion. So thank you both for being a part of this conversation. I am grateful and I'm excited. I, I'm really, I'm, I'm hopeful and excited that we're going to be able to really change things. Thank you for doing this. Thank, Thank you. you. This is wonderful. I'm glad you asked me.
Thanks. Nice to meet you, Yoro. Nice to meet you, Patricia. <laughs>